Greetings, my friends. In the name of the Lord Jesus, this is Pastor Christopher Alam, and we are talking about the call of God. And uh, yesterday we talked about how the mantle came on the 12th and the mantle came on the 70th and they went out and preached where Jesus himself would go and they represented, represented him, um, healing the sick, casting out devils, preaching the kingdom of God. Now, I want to go into something else, that when we study the ministry of Jesus and we study the men who were called to follow him, there are certain things we see in the Bible, okay? Studying the ministry of Jesus and studying the ministry of his apostles, there are certain things we see in the Bible that I would like to point out. The first thing was, you have to, you, you notice, the first thing you notice is that their purpose was to reach and to touch people and not to build a ministry like a money-making enterprise. I, I want to emphasize this. That was the first thing. The purpose, Jesus' purpose was to, was to reach people and to touch people. And the apostles who he sent out, their purpose was to reach people and to touch people and not to build a a, a, a so-called quote-unquote ministry which is like a business entity you know but it was about people it was not about the ministry in the uh, in the business sense but ministry in the people sense because uh, the word ministry is, is is used in two ways in our modern day connotation the first is ministering to people touching people reaching people People in need. And that, you know, I'm aware of that. God has called me to reach people and to touch people. But there's another meaning of the word ministry is the organization. Our ministry is called Dynamis World Ministries, the organization. And there's a business side to the ministry. But, and I'm going to talk about that. But the main purpose was to touch people and to reach people, okay? And not to build a so-called ministry like a business organization, like a money-making business. Now that's point number one. Point number two, I want you to understand that organizations are vehicles, formal organizations are vehicles necessary to carry the ministry, but the ministry is to reach and to touch people. Say, let, let me give an example. When I first started in the ministry, when uh, I was, uh, uh, you know, uh, let's put this way, I started ministry couple of days after I got I got saved and but in 1985 um, um, I got saved in 1975 and in uh, 19 yeah 1983 uh, by that time we were doing overseas meetings and all that we had grown to the point we were doing overseas meetings and then people began to send me money to uh, to you know they just began to they people began to believe in me and they began to send me money and they said Pastor Christopher we believe in what you're doing we want to help you and so people began to send in money and so we had all this money coming in to pay for our crusades and then I, I asked some of my friends how do I deal with this because I don't want to pay taxes on this money because people were sending in and uh, and, uh, and and he said the government will begin to ask where are you getting all this money you have to pay tax on it so uh, so I said what should I do because I was young I was naive about these things so um, you know I was 29 years old I had never done this 
you know, with having to deal with so much of money. So they told me, you need to start like a non-profit, like a foundation and don't touch the money yourself because if it goes through your bank account, your hands, suddenly you will find yourself paying taxes on it. But let the people give into the foundation, the non-profit. And then you take money out of the foundation, use it for your crusades, you save the receipts. And, you know, so, so, uh, so we did that. And so suddenly I was leader of a, a formal organization registered with the government. So suddenly it was not just me teaching and preaching, but my wife and I and another minister, uh, we, we were on the board and we started a nonprofit. Uh, and the purpose of the nonprofit was just to handle the money for the ministry so that I wouldn't have to pay personal taxes on that money. So, uh, and so as the ministry grew, as the, uh, as people, you know, as, as, as our ministry activity, activities grew, we, I began to travel to more countries and then so many people were getting saved and we needed people to follow up. And the, I'm just telling you, you know, sequentially what happened and so many people were getting saved. The crusades were bigger, people were getting saved and we needed to follow up people. But we realized that the churches uh, out in Africa and in other countries where we were going to, they didn't have the know-how to follow up new believers. So I took in a couple of team members who went before me and trained up the churches to do follow-up ministry. So suddenly it's not just me traveling, but I have tea and the team began to grow and develop. And so then we needed to buy uh, vehicles, needed to buy our own sound, our own light. And more money began to come in. As more money began to come in, the organizational part of it, the nonprofit began to grow. So, and so it is today. I'm, I go and preach and I have a team in Africa and I have a team in Asia and I'm preaching a crusades. But on the side, we have an organization. We have a nonprofit corporation and the corporation is incorporated. Now I'm in the United States. We still have that organization in Sweden. And uh, so we established a base in Zimbabwe. So we have, we have a non-profit in Zimbabwe, a charity there. But we have a non-profit here, and which is registered with the state of Pennsylvania. Then we have a tax number from the IRS. So all these things, you know, are... Uh, but when I started, I just wanted to preach and reach people. But these, this whole organization and the organization in Sweden and the organization in Zimbabwe, these three organizations, they are just the vehicles, which are the legal vehicles that handle the finances and handle the administration. So, but I have to remember all the time that it is not about the growth of the organization, uh, but, uh, uh, but it is about how many people we are reaching. Because some people, when they talk about the ministry, they say, oh, we have so many employees and we are so big, we handle so much money. You know, that's not about it. It's about how many people are we reaching with the gospel. Because we can become so top heavy, have a big organization because a big organization makes you look big, a nice office that makes your organization looks good, but you're not really reach, reaching too many people. So we have always to keep this in mind that the ministry is not about building a big organization, a big company with a nice logo and a nice building. Those are just necessary things which are a 
vehicle uh, which is a legal requirement for us to be able to do what we are doing to handle the finances because we deal with governments we deal with authorities and so we have that then we have an accountant an outside accountant so we have that structure set up but that is just the vehicle the legal vehicle uh, you know for us to deal with the government deal with finances and all that but our real the real thing what we're all about is not that uh, that we are trying to build an organization like a business but the real thing is how many people are we touching with the gospel how many people are we reaching with the gospel so in the days of jesus they didn't need a non-profit corporation they didn't have those legal things they didn't need accountants they didn't need uh, you know, any registration of a charity with the government, they could just preach and heal the sick and cast out devils. But then as, but in today's modern day world, as the ministry grows, you need those things. You need to, but because if I didn't have an organization and ran the money through my pocket, they would tax me. And if I didn't pay taxes, I would go to jail. So we, so you have always to remember that although we are living in a different time in the times of Jesus and their legal requirements on us placed by the governments that they didn't have, but our goal and our purpose is the same that Jesus said to reach people and to touch people, to preach the gospel, to get people saved and people get healed and people get set free from the power of the devil. So we have to remember that, that the ministry uh, should have the same goal and purpose that the Lord Jesus and the apostles had, that is to reach people and to touch people. And these other organizational, governmental things, they, these are peripheral matters that must be attended to, but we are here about people. So we see this, we see this in the ministry of Jesus, that it was always about people, always about the needs of the people. So the ministry is not about us. Uh, it's not about the minister. It's not about the ministry. Jesus, Reinhard Bonke said something very good many years ago. He said, Jesus didn't die on the cross to provide jobs and provide a living for clergymen. He died on the cross to save and to heal people. So we always have to remember that because in today's modern day uh, culture, there's this ministerial culture when it is about the man, about the great man of God, and it's about him and uh, but it's not about us. No, no, no. Uh, um, you know, Paul said in Second Corinthians, I think chapter four, he says, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants for Jesus sake. So we don't preach or proclaim ourselves or our ministry or our organization, but we preach Jesus Christ. And as for us, we present ourselves as servants for Christ's sake. We are here to serve you as ministers of the gospel called and anointed by God. We preach Jesus Christ and we serve people. So we always have to keep that in the forefront if we are called to the ministry. Now, uh, the third thing I see about the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the men who followed him, he says, preaching the gospel, preaching the good news of salvation to lost souls, we must look at the salvation of souls as the ultimate goal. Because you know what? It's like this, that we live in this world and uh, 
A man can attain great success in this world. He can become, he can become a billionaire or he can do great things. He can climb Mount Everest. He can make great inventions and he can be very famous. He can be a great figure in sports or he can be a great movie star or whatever. But the thing is that when he dies, he's either going to go to heaven or to hell. And his going to heaven will not be determined by his accomplishments, but whether he received Jesus Christ as his Lord, whether he made Jesus Christ as his Lord or not, whether he accepted the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for him, for his sins, and whether he repented of his sins and bowed at the feet of Jesus. That, that's what determines. So, so and <clears throat> the only thing that can make the difference is the gospel. So that is why ultimately it comes down to one thing. It comes down to the salvation of souls. It, when it goes down the line, it comes to the salvation of souls. It comes to people dying with or without Jesus. So that is why we who are called to preach the gospel, we must do what Jesus did. Um, make the salvation of souls as our ultimate goal, because that is the bottom line. That is the main thing. Number four thing, if we look at the ministry of Jesus and the men who called to, uh, called to follow him, is that they heal the sick. So uh, their purpose, number one, was to reach and to touch people and not to build an organization. Number two, organizations are vehicles necessary in our modern day situation to carry the ministry. Uh, but the ministry is to reach and touch people. Number three, preaching the good news of salvation. And we must look at the salvation of souls as the ultimate goal. And number four is healing the sick. Now, Jesus preached, he says he preached and showed the kingdom of God. So preaching the kingdom of God is done by the words of the mouth. But healing the sick is showing the kingdom of God. So that is one thing that we really, really have to take hold of. And <clears throat> we have to study what the word of God says about healing the sick. We have to learn uh, about the healing ministry of Jesus and how God wants to operate the healing of healing ministry of Jesus through us. It is something we really, really have to learn to develop in our own lives, whether you are a fivefold minister, uh, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, or whether you are uh, a lay person, not in the fivefold ministry gift, but we all must have a healing ministry because the needs are so vast around us. We live in a modern world with such advances in medical science and all that, but today we have more uh, diseases than ever before. We have horrific diseases. We have horrendous diseases to which there is no cure, but the cure is in Jesus Christ. So we must develop in the, in the, I should say, to the whole thing is the healing ministry of Jesus. That means in the word of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the use of the authority in the name of Jesus, we have to grow and develop in these things so that we can heal the sick, wherever they are. So this is something we have to develop in. Number five, casting out devils. That's the fifth thing. So we see that in the ministry of Jesus and in the ministry of the apostles, casting out devils. Now, look, there are things that are psychological. There are things that are mental that people suffer from, mental things, you know, psychological things, but there's also demons. 
and uh, all psychological things are not demons and all demons are not psychological things. Demons are demons, psychological mental issues are psychological mental issues, but there are demons and we have to learn to cast out demons. We have to learn how to cast out demon, uh, demons and and uh, we have to see what the word of God says. Then we have to exercise the casting out of demons and, and we have to do it in the name of Jesus. So that is a part of the deliverance ministry of Jesus Christ. And so we have healing the sick and casting out devils. In addition to the preaching of the word of God, these things have to go hand in hand. If you, uh, you know, do these things, then you are walking on the right track. Number six is to teach God's word and make disciples. You see that in the ministry of Jesus and in the ministry of the apostles, uh, they taught the word of God. So there's a proclamation, there's a preaching of the, of the gospel, but there's also a teaching of the word of God. And each of us, we have to learn to teach. And even if you're not in the fivefold ministry gifts, you must study the word of God. So you learn to be proficient in teaching the basic concepts of the Bible to other people. So teach the word of God and make disciples. Make disciples, look like in your situation, if you're not a full-time minister, for you to make disciples would be to help other people along. Someone who's not been a believer as long as you have, or let's put it this way, someone who knows less than what you know. You may not know everything. That's I understand that you may not know everything, but there are people who know less than what you know. So you are always in a position to give them a helping hand, to help them up and lift them up and increase them in their knowledge of the word, in their knowledge of the Lord. So that is what it means to teach in a simple, basic format. So we have to learn to do these things. Now, God calls people to serve him either in the fivefold ministry gifts or to serve him in supportive ministries. Uh, the fivefold ministry gifts are, of course, uh, as the New Testament uh, teaches, it says the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Those are the fivefold ministry gifts. But there are supportive ministries. Supportive ministries are people who are not apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, but these are people in the body of Christ who God has called to serve in other capacities. Okay? So now, when I say fivefold ministry gifts and supportive ministries, I'm not saying that there's two classes of people. One is better than the other, or one of the is the higher than other, because when God calls people to the fivefold ministry gifts, he does not do according to their merits or their qualifications, but according to God's purpose and pleasure. Look, I'm in the fivefold ministry gifts, okay? That does not mean that I am better or greater than somebody who is in a supportive ministry. I know people who are in supportive ministry who I would rate them far higher than where I am spiritually. But you know what? I'm doing what I'm doing because this is what God called me, chose me to do. Why did God call me and choose me to be in the fivefold ministry gifts and not that? I don't know. It is because of his purpose and his pleasure and his choice. And I am not in a position to explain to you because I honestly don't know why God chooses certain people to do certain things. Sometimes we think that some people uh, should be doing something because they 
are more, how do you say, they are more qualified to do that, you know, we think that. Uh, say, say for example, let, let me give an example. When, when I was a young, young in the ministry and, you know, I was uh, preaching to whoever needed the gospel, whoever needed Jesus, some people thought, they had this idea, they said, you know, you were a former Muslim, so you should be involved in Muslim ministries. And I said, what is that? Well, ministering to Muslims, since you know about Islam and you were a Muslim. So I did that. I said, fine. I was young. I listened to them. So I got involved in ministry to Muslims and I was doing that. And you know what? Nobody was getting saved. I, I understood Islam. I could understand them ministering to Muslims, but nobody was receiving Jesus. Nobody was getting saved until uh, I was so frustrated. And one day the Lord said to me, the Lord spoke to me, and he says, did I tell you that I have called you to preach exclusively to Muslims? I said, no, Lord, I don't recall you saying that. He says, then why are you doing this? I said, well, because these people, they know more than me. That's what they told me. The Lord said, you do what I tell you to do. I never called you to minister exclusively to Muslims. I called you to minister to sinners, to people. So you go back to doing that. So I left this ministry that ministers ministered exclusively to Muslims and I began to preach to all people and as I began to do that suddenly I began to see people coming to Jesus in fact I saw more Muslims getting saved when I stopped doing ministry to Muslims I saw more Muslims Iranians coming to Jesus and that was a lesson to me and then the Lord showed me the scriptures that Paul who was a Pharisee, who was a well, well theologically, theologically well-schooled Jew. God called him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And Peter, who was a semi-literate fisherman, uh, who was more, you could say, he was not qualified to talk to the theologically minded Jews, the educated Jews. He was more uh, you, you should have said, you should have seen that in the human sense, Paul should have been witnessing to the Jews because he knew their theology and and the semi-literal, uh, literate fisherman, Peter, should have been ministering to the Gentiles, but God did it the other way. He took Paul and put him among the Gentiles and Peter, who was a semi-literate fisherman, was ministering to the Jews. Why? Well, God does things his way. So God doesn't necessarily call a person because he's qualified in the natural or he has the merits. God calls people according to his purpose. So just remember that. So if you're in the fivefold ministry gifts, it doesn't mean you're better or greater than anybody or you're more qualified. That was just the purpose of God, why he called you. Or if God didn't call you to the fivefold ministry gifts, but he called you to be a supportive minister, you know, a supportive minister. Well, that's what God called you to be. Now, you might say, well, I wish I was a pastor. I, I know business people, you know, the grass is always green on the other side of the fence. I know full-time ministers who look at business people. Oh, I wish I had this business, then I would have all that money. And then with that money, I would be able to do this project and that ministry and that crusade. While the businessman, is looking at him and thinking, oh, I wish I was like him because I like to preach. I don't want to do business. And I wish I was preaching and traveling like him. I run into that myself. And, and the thing is that you should learn to be happy where God has put, put you and do not despise where God has put you. If God has put you over in business, 
Be faithful with that. If God has put you in full-time ministry, be faithful with that. So learn to be faithful. So now remember that God does not call the qualified, uh, but he qualifies the call. Amen. God does not call the qualified to fulfill his purposes, but he qualifies those he calls. So when God calls you, it's not because you're qualified. You're called according to his purpose. But once you're called, he qualifies you. He uses you. So uh, <clears throat> so if you now if you look at the story of David, you know, David and Saul. You know, Saul was the unanointed professional. The unanointed professional, that was Saul. But David was the anointed amateur. You know, I'm, I'm talking about when they faced Goliath. So here was Saul leading the armies of Israel. And he was there and the whole army of Israel was shaking in their boots because here's this giant who was who was screaming and yelling and shouting and taunting them and mocking their God. And Saul was sitting, you know, uh, you know, hiding with the rest of his army. But he was the anointed. Uh, he was the, uh, you know, he was the non-anointed professional. He was professional. He was a professional soldier, but he was not anointed. But David was not a professional. He was an amateur. He was just a kid. He was a shepherd boy, but he was anointed. So when he came and, and <coughs> he said to Saul, who is this giant who dare taunt the, insult the armies of the living God? I'm going to deal with him. And then Saul, uh, <coughs> you know, first everyone laughed at him then, but then Saul said, okay, you know, uh, okay, if you want to go and fight the giant, go. So Saul tried to put his armor on him. So he he put his big suit of armor on David and David couldn't move. And then Saul put his helmet on David's head and he put his helmet on his head. And when David turned his head this way, the helmet was still looking that way because it was too big for him. And then David said, no, I don't need your helmet, your armor, just take it all off. So he went and faced the giant with his slingshot and with five smooth stones. And you know the rest of the story, how he brought the giant, the giant down. So that day, God did not use the unanointed professional, but God used the anointed amateur. David was the anointed amateur, and it was because of the anointing that he could bring the giant down. And the Bible says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. We will continue talking about the purposes of God. And... Uh, let us, uh, let's pray together, okay? We'll continue tomorrow. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your hand upon their lives. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you for your calling, your blessing. Use us mightily for your name. Father, be glorified in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you. I'll see you again tomorrow. And if you have any questions, just write your questions to me and I will try to help you and answer you. God bless you.